Hey everybody, welcome to the Voxology Podcast, episode number officially 302, unofficially 320, um, right? Because <laughs> confusing. we've done some minis that didn't get official numbers, but you know officially, what? Officially, officially episode number two, officially, unofficially 302, unofficially, right. unofficially 320. Perfect. Yes, That's like, that, this poetry. is the second episode of the Voxology podcast. And so welcome, friends. Thanks for joining us. Um, have you been watching Loki at all? Yes. Have you? What do you think? I love it. Just by the way, we literally just got on the call and just turned the mic on. So this is... I don't want to uh, do any spoilers in case... Uh, yeah, yeah. What's his name is listening? They gave us the review for Ruining <laughs> Endgame. Whatever, I can't remember <laughs> Um, but I love all three of the TV series that they've done so far, I think are, they're all different, like wildly different from each other and super fun and thought provoking. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I dadgummit. I was ready to be done with the MCU. Why? And then they Why unleashed WandaVision on me, which got me all <laughs> in the feels and then unleashed winter soldier. And Sebastian Stan is my man crush. Yeah. And then um, and they explore mental health, which I love. Yep. And then here's Loki, and it's just so weird and outrageous and perfect for his character. No, you got um, like good studies in grief and mental illness and these different like I love it. I think they're Yeah. I'd love to see what their writers room were like when they decided that this is the direction they're gonna go in. Totally. Well, WandaVision to me was the biggest risk. Like, it totally. just sounded awful. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, and, then, and then one other thing, Tim, that I just have to get your take on. Last night, Conan O'Brien, my, you know, let, I grew up with Letterman. And then in right. college, Letterman went uh, to CBS and Conan came in and took his old show. And thus began, since 1993, a love affair with Conan O'Brien. And he ended his um, nightly show last night. And if you've not listened to his podcast, um, I think that's what set him free from the show. Is like his podcast is just... It's so good. It's so good. It's so funny. Like I listened maybe to the first 30, and now I just kind of spot check it, depending on the guest. Yeah. Um, I just adore his sense of humor, and I was there was a little like, you know, for for those of us who are sort of middle aged and we're wondering, you know, how do we fit in culture? Sometimes Conan is just this perfect model <laughs> of um, of you know being a fifty something and being just super super hilarious and super relevant. And I don't know, I'm gonna miss him. I'm just gonna miss him. Yeah, his podcast. What's it called? Uh, Conan, Conan O'Brien needs, needs a friend. friend. Yeah. yeah, it's a great podcast if you haven't listened. Yes, and uh, we need a Sona. So just uh, for that <laughs> reference, um, and and so th I, I, so those are the two pieces of pop culture I just needed to run by you, mm -hmm. uh, Timothy. Um, is there anything you're troubled by today? We haven't oh, really checked things, in, but no, I. Uh, I got a good night's sleep. I went and watched A Quiet Place Part 2 last night. Oh, was it good? Yeah. They're fun. It's a fun concept, and it's... Yeah. I don't know. It's hard not to root for Krasinski, especially after the his... What was his thing that he did over the Some pandemic? Some good news. That, yes, exactly. 
and it's him and his wife and he wrote it and directed it and it's fun and then i went to bed at like 8 30 whoa yeah which i now, never do. one thing one thing you don't know about timothy john stafford is that he and sleep do not get along well we are not friends no and so a good night's sleep for um you know tjs is a big deal <laughs> yeah. so i mean so if I he's a, if he's a little if he's a little more ferocious today that'll be that'll be <laughs> well, why I definitely i woke up at 4 30 because i heard the trash truck outside oh yeah and um realized i didn't take the can out to the street Ooh, and so that's i sprinted tough, outside that's a tough feeling half awake and flagged them down and the guy's like hey man we're just picking up like the green stuff like lawn clippings no no <laughs> it's like oh, okay he's like yeah trash is coming by later and i was like all right guys uh, have a good day see you later <laughs> it's like pitch black dark i have no clothes on <laughs> i'm just standing with the trash can in the middle of the street it was a sight um, to see yes and were you able to go back to sleep after that i did actually all of that's new all of that's yeah. unfamiliar we're in for a great episode guys <laughs> it may not feel like it yet but new we territory. are um and i want to thank uh jennifer and I want to thank Fred, and I want to thank Henry, and I want to thank Ryan for coming on the Patreon team. If you go to patreon.com and type in Voxology. Voxology. We are there. And we have a landing page for Voxology. What is it? What's the URL? Voxologypodcast.com. There you go. We're all official and fancy. All over um, the place. Okay. So let's. Uh, we've got some new music. For the uh, Voxology iteration of the podcast. And so cue, cue the music. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we have one, one of the, uh, and we say this all the time, but one of the great joys of doing this um, has been the fact that, that people have trusted us with their questions, with their stories, with all sorts of things, most of which obviously we don't read uh, or talk about publicly. But every now and again, we get something that is a rebuke of us or a, a something funny, or it's a, it just a set of sincere really profound questions. We're just like, my goodness, this has to be, uh, this is bigger than just an email response or bigger than just part of a podcast. Like this is the whole thing. And so we got a, we got an email uh, a, a couple of weeks ago from somebody. And, um, and this is such a profound and troubling and saddening email um, and even though it opens up, opens up just a host of really, really difficult issues, we thought, well, man, this, so that the fact that someone would trust us with this is, um, a big deal. And so with permission, um, and, you know, excavating out all detail, um, we got an email that, that begins of course, with nice salutations, uh, which is always very kind. <laughs> Um, but this person, we'll call him Jeremy, um, said, I am in a position of, of leadership in a large church on the West Coast. Most of our leadership is unusually open in discussions about race, patriarchy, and Christian nationalism. 
However, uh, the staff is unequivocally against support for the LGBTQ plus community, which leaves me devastated. I've never written this sentence before, but I am gay and in the closet. I go back and forth between believing that I've successfully entrenched myself deep in the closet. Other times, I believe the closet door is made of glass. In any case, I am not out, and I am absolutely terrified of what will happen if I say this out loud. Um, he says, um, this is a little longer than I intended, but I hope that you will allow me uh, just to get some things off my chest. My fear of coming out is not rooted in shame for who I am, but for the loss of community that I will experience. While my church is not the norm on typical issues, when it comes to homosexuality, the stance will be to follow party lines. And if I ever decide to come out to my church family, they will follow what is the usual pattern, loss of position, removal of membership, social ostracization, easy for me to say, I once asked if our church would ever consider following some of the denominations and allowing someone who is gay to work in the church, and I was told we will never have that debate because it will never be allowed. Uh, the dangers of homosexuality have been preached in the same sanctuary where I also have stood on the stage, very much aware of who I am and the supposed threat that I represent. This does not even extend into the family issues that would be created from my making this announcement. That was, that was one point. The second point, I very much abhor the slander about the supposed gay agenda. If there's any gay agenda, it's that we just want to feel comfortable in the world and in the church. Third point, I would like to get married someday, yet I have on replay in my head a message I was taught long ago. God has called you to be holy, not happy. Is my desire to be happy in a gay marriage unholy? I just don't want to be alone for the rest of my life, dot, dot, dot. Fourth, the best of intention people may say that gay relationships are a concession from God and use biblical polygamy as an example of a concession. This is a false comparison to me. A quality of attraction, a, excuse me, a quality of attraction is not the same as a quantity of attractions. Furthermore, I don't like being treated as if I'm a concession in the plan of God. My identity being labeled as a concession by God ultimately sends the message I'm not part of the plan for the kingdom. I have a lot more that I'm wrestling with, but I wanted to give you a few things I think about a lot. Here is my question. How does my LGBTQ plus community fit within the old creation, new creation dynamic? If being gay slash trans is a sin, then what is the new creation posture to this old creation way of being? If being gay slash trans is not a sin, then how do old and new creation dynamics play here? Or is this an entirely separate issue altogether? I want to be humble and obedient to Christ in all things, especially here. Yes, the kingdom is the most important aspect of our journey together. For me, though I believe the human spirit cannot thrive where it cannot be authentic. Um, and so um, he asks just for prayer. I don't know if my faith journey requires me to come out of the closet or remain a silent bystander. I know, however, I have a burning desire to preach to and defend my church and queer communities. So we just want to, I mean, applaud Jeremy for his courage 
and um, and grieve with him. Um, Tim had Tim said something so profound yesterday. It's like there's this undercurrent of terror uh, that we can feel, and so and um, when we, when we get stuff like this, obviously we don't want to do the Christian. Hey, let's exploit this for an episode. Uh, but I asked his permission uh, first because no email could do this justice. Um, there needs to be tone of voice. It needs to be a conversation or um, around beer and Coors Light, <laughs> preferably. Yes. Um, but I also think that there are like there are lots of people who are asking some of these same issues, and um, and so we just wanted to take a take a. Um, a moment to talk about how we would talk about this right um and so if if we were sitting across uh from jeremy i, I would want to talk about how i would talk about it and the first thing i would want to do is just to kind of locate and i'm only speaking for me tim jump in wherever um i want to locate myself in this conversation. The first thing I want to say is that um, there is a massive plank in my own eye and uh, when it comes to sexuality. And so when we're talking about sexual sin in any arena, I have to, as a, as a follower of Jesus, start with all of the ways that has been true of me. Um, and so I come at any conversation thinking uh, and inhabiting the posture that I am the biggest sinner in the room and that no one else's struggles are anywhere as large as mine. I also have to locate myself in um, the church community and the church community central to the church community is the idea that we are to be practicing and inhabiting new creation dynamics and, and practices and forsaking old creation dynamics and practices. And, um, and so new creation um, uh, practices are things like hospitality and generosity and humility and service, forgiveness, reconciliation, listening. Um, old creation dynamics are things like excluding, ignoring, rejecting, scolding, shaming, blowing off, um, hiding, secret keeping, um, or creating a culture where you must hide. That's the one I mean. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I believe, uh, naively perhaps, that the church should be the place where this conversation should be able to be had most safely. And the fact that it's not shows, I think reveals a lot about the corruptions of the evangelical church of which I am a part and to which I have contributed. And so I want to I want to just kind of catalog and these are very well um, worn paths. I want to catalog some of the corruptions that the church has embodied um, and ha have play ha have brought about wrath because of of standing outside new creation space. Uh, and embodying these postures of condemnation and shaming and judgment and all these sorts of things. So uh, obviously, um, and most grievously, 
the church's rejection of new creation practices regarding the, the LGBTQ plus community has resulted uh, in not only the wounding of people like Jeremy, but then we've set them up in the worst possible state to figure out where to go from there, right? To reject, to have a family reject them and the church reject them. Um, you've not only wounded them grievously, but now you've ensured that whatever wisdom and hospitality and grace and forgiveness the church could offer has now been fully and certainly excluded from whatever process this person's now going to undergo. And so um, the marginalizing uh, and highlighting of homosexuality and homosexual sin, quote-unquote, um, is grievous. It's a grievous violation of what the church is and what the church exists for. Um, so, so I'm just cataloging corruptions. <laughs> <laughs> the second corruption I see is that the church um, is obsessed with genitals. Yes. Um, uh, and where they belong and what you can do and what you can't do. And certainly, like there are parts of the Levitical code <laughs> that talk about, okay, you can have sex here and not with this animal or, you know, like, like but, but this was in contrast to the surrounding community. So there's, that wasn't just something in a vacuum. Obviously, there is a sexual ethic in scripture, but the predominant theme of scripture isn't living a sexual ethic. Um, and holiness is certainly much bigger than just sexual purity. But the American church has reduced holiness to sexual purity and has reduced sexual purity to virginity. And um, I think that has been a corruption. Um, and, and, it's, and it's perfectly embodied by an article I read years ago about a woman who was at the Miss America pageant and was... Um, in the swimwear part of the competition. And I don't know how she got asked about marriage, but she, you know, she said marriage is between a man and a woman. And then there was a follow-up about whether or not that was, you know, that was true. And she said, you know, something along the lines of, um, well, uh, I, my goal here is to be biblically uh, faithful. Says the woman in the bikini parading around and being judged on her looks, right? It was just the perfect embodiment of how silly, um, <laughs> how we ignore in Jesus's words, like um, uh, mercy and justice, uh, but we focus instead on like straining gnats, uh, but we still, you know, swallow camels. I mean, which is this beautiful image of we focus on the wrong things. Like uh, the classic example of this is the 2000 verses that talk about the poor and the six, seven or eight, depending on how you count verses that talk about uh, homosexuality. Um, has the American church balanced those in proportion or do we seem to spend a lot of time talking about the sins we're not guilty of? Um so one of the corruptions here is that we are very much obsessed with sex and, and, and we, in, in being obsessed with sex, we've neglected the weightier matters of the law, first of all. Secondly, we've added on burdens and don't lift a finger to help people carry them. When you are biologically ready 
uh, for sexual activity at 13 and you're invited to be a virgin until you're 30. Um, and then just simply say at the church, hey, man, and, and if that doesn't work for you, then get married and you, you know, idolize the nuclear family as a result and say nothing to gay people, um, um, uh, single people or widowed people. I don't know. We're, we're just missing something there. We're not, we're not doing, <laughs> we're not fulfilling the love your neighbor sort of and disciple making mandate of what the church is supposed to be. So one corruption is that we're sex obsessed. One corruption is that we've used old creation dynamics to try to push new, what we call new creation dynamics onto people. And in so doing, we've neglected all the new creation dynamics, period. Another thing is that, um, and I just referenced in another corruption, is that we idealize the nuclear family. Um, the church was conceived as a family. That those, those instructions to husbands and wives were given in the context of churches. It was not nuclear families that were the focus, even remotely. Um, then you have the, the, the incredible abuse of the Bible. Um, and, and this obviously isn't anything new. I mean, Jesus critiqued the Pharisees and teachers of the law all over the place for how they misuse Torah. And in fact, Paul speculates that because Torah was given in a cosmically enslaved environment, the Torah itself had been hijacked by the powers and used to further enslave God's people. And if it's true in, uh, in that sense, how much more true is it in the sense of old creation dynamics versus new creation dynamics? If the Bible's being used, as um, a place of, uh, of dialogue, conversation, listening, learning, adherence to Jesus, all of those sorts of things, fantastic, but as a club to shame, exclude, and burden people, Jesus stands opposed to that, in my view, absolutely. Not only that, but the, the most preeminent corruption um, in our approach to the Bible is the absolute duplicity of our practice. So the Bible uh, is super clear on divorce. Jesus, super clear on divorce. Um, and it's fascinating that um, some of the arguments given for why uh, we are not as strict uh, on divorce now are because we say that the divorce being considered then is different than the divorce being considered now, which is exactly the argument that our gay Christian brothers and sisters make about same-sex, long-term, monogamous, faithful relationships, interestingly enough. Um, but you take the issue of divorce, and we've swallowed that sucker whole. I mean, we, we even had, and I, I'm here, I don't know who this is, but uh, another pastor was telling me of a pastor in Nashville who just very publicly said, hey, my wife and I are getting divorced. Uh, we're going to co-parent. Um, we're friends. We think we can fulfill our kingdom missions better, you know, as a non-married couple. And, and think about the, ju the justifications. We can better serve Jesus by getting a divorce. <laughs> and my guess is that will offend some people. But it's like, if we're really going to take the verses that talk about homosexuality and we're going we're gonna to run with those, then how can you not run um, and, and, and not protest or legislate against or whatever, um, something like that that is so clearly non-biblical, right? But yet, for most of us, I mean, when's the last time you heard a sermon on divorce? You know? It's been a while. 
Yeah. So it's just like, well, we'll be quiet on that because we all know divorced people. It's only as you get to know gay people that you realize, oh, well, maybe it's a bit more nuanced than that. So we have massive double standards in the way we apply the scriptures. We have massive double standards in the way we approach the scriptures. Um, And then the most grievous, most grievous um, thing that I think the LGBTQ plus community points out, and rightly, is look at our house the sexual ethic we supposedly proclaim we do not come cl- we do not come close to embodying ourselves whether it's divorce porn extramarital affairs emotional affairs whether it's um uh uh the sexual abuse scandals that are rocking major denominations the 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 sexual failures of so many Uh, church leaders, right? I mean, all of this carnage, and yet we're going to shout and proclaim to the world that we have moral authority to tell people how they should live sexually. Um, And and, and I think that's where the accusations of homophobia are are pretty much on the mark. Because why else would we single out homosexual sin, if we think it's sin, um, and then ignore all of this other stuff? Right now, I'm sure there are places that take a culture war mindset and um, you know legislate against homosexuality because they see it's an agenda and they're coming for our children and whatever else. And, and so they put it in a different category because slander isn't being pushed down our throat by culture uh, or gossip. Um, but you know, here, here come the gays. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and we've talked about how that culture war approach to, to Jesus following is, is very much not Jesus following, even remotely. Um, so, so these are very obvious corruptions in the evangelical view and the practice of a sexual ethics. Um, and, and I think um, new creation space forces us to be honest and to be humble to admit the log in our own eyes, to confess our sin and to repent for the great harm that we've done. I, I just think that that is, that is where new creation space begins. And so it is grievous to me that um, the choices that confront our friend Jeremy are come out and lose all of this or stay hidden and keep it. Um, though that that's not a, a that's not a new creation set of dynamics. That is um, uh, that is not what it is to be the church. Um, and so, I think for both Tim and I, uh, if I can speak for you, I mean that that's the part that is is so painful. Uh, about your email there is nothing in my experience i've never as a as a as a white man in the church i've never had to be closeted about anything no but i've chosen that to metaphor be. that metaphor is so is so disheartening and heartbreaking just being trapped in a closet and even the way that he said it to um being entrenched so deep within the closet other times i feel like the closet's made of glass and just being a spectacle you know, being right. 
is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then there's just one last corruption. Um, and, and again, man, I, please, when I get fired up about this stuff, I'm fired up because I am a part of the tribe. I'm a part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. Um, and I mean, I'm, I've just seen the harm uh, that's been done. And it, it, you know, I don't go to grief. Uh, maybe I should, but I, I run to more like a strong, passionate feelings of it shouldn't be this way, you know? Right. But I have to walk with the limp in that saying, well, this is the, the culture I contributed to, too. So, um, you know, it, it's I look back on the way that I say things and I'm like, ah, uh, I wish I were just more humble and tender because if you're if you're a church community and you're hearing this and you're like, okay, great, <laughs> this doesn't give you much, you know, this isn't this doesn't give you a lot of room to maneuver, uh, and that's not my intention. Uh, my intention in listing the corruptions is to actually advocate for something different. Yeah. So it's not to just sit and condemn. So I, I do, I'm going to advocate for something here in a second. But one last corruption I think is important. Um, and, and it's simply this. If um, we are going to invite uh, single people, whether they're heterosexual or homosexual or other, to walk in celibacy apart from a male-female covenanted union, then it is incumbent, <laughs> I, I don't know of a stronger word, to surround those people with intimacy, companionship, friendship, family, um, in, in decades worth of relationship. Um, and if we're not going to do that, then let's just keep our mouths shut. Otherwise, we're just laying burdens on people and not lifting a finger to help them carry them. Right. It's like when it comes to pro-life, I simply cannot advocate for the pro-life position while at the same time not doing anything to help the, the very people for whom abortion would seem attractive by, by, and so Jesse and I, we just said, all right, we're always going to, if we're ever, ever going to talk about abortion, we're always going to offer to take someone's child. Always. Right. And so if a church community is going to hold the traditional ethic and call people to celibacy, and we've had several people on the podcast who uh, are gay and they're out as gay and they are celibate in, um, in obedience to sort of the traditional view. If churches aren't surrounding them, then we have failed as the church and it's better for us just to be silent. Um, and so I see that as a corruption, that, that somehow we just think having a, a statement on our website is loving our neighbor. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm opposed to statements on websites <laughs> for too. reasons we'll get to in a second. Anything you want to add to this list, Timothy? Because I know you're troubled by some of the same things. No, I um I th I just echo your like I just lament and ask for forgiveness and creating and contributing to a culture that that uh generates the necessity 
for an email like this. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, well said. Well said. So what's our alternative? What's a new creation space look like? This is where I'm going to get into trouble. <laughs> Here we go. Well, if I'm not already. And, and, and you know what? Because I want to fight for the kind of a community where Jeremy can sit with people who might not think that, that um, homosexuality, uh, homosexual practice is okay. For him to be able to sit safely in a community with people who are, um, well, I guess what we would say affirming, and to sit with others who are non-affirming, and, and to be safe in that space, man, I think that is, that's new creation stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, that's easy for me to say because I've never been harmed um, by non-affirming people. When you ask you know, someone like Bonnie or um, uh, Caitlin, who we've had on the podcast, or um, uh, DL, um, when you ask you know, people like that to sit in spaces where, um, hey, not everyone is okay with women preachers, um, that costs something. You know, and if you're going to ask um, affirming and not affirming people to sit in the same room together, uh, because they have something more important in common, that's going to cost something. And, and yeah. it's certainly, for some who've been so wounded, it may not even be an option. Right. So, that, and that's, that's okay. But would, would I, if, what I would want for Jeremy if I were in charge, <laughs> which is a horrible thing. Um, a guy named David Fitch wrote years ago about... Um, a welcoming and mutually transforming community. And he talked about, it it was the idea where um, people who are on different sides of the issue could be together, sit and listen to each other, learn and serve each other. And I was so compelled by that uh, for a number of reasons. One, I'm not convinced the affirming, non-affirming way of looking at this issue is helpful. I understand from my, my LGBTQ friends um, and allies that clarity on an issue is really important because there's a lot of baiting and switching. Um, hey, we're well, we welcome everybody. And then, you know, six months later, the pastor says, hey, let's go out to coffee. You know, and, and there's this joke about the let's go out to let's go out to coffee talk. You know, it's it's like uh, yeah, that's all. Hey, yeah. you're welcome, but not you know in this space or this space. Um, uh, I, I think I think so. I I totally respect that desire, and when people ask me, "Are you affirming or not affirming?" I, I say yes, because I don't. I don't know what those words mean when they apply to Jesus and how Jesus treated people. I don't, th- I don't think those words are big enough. I don't think they're broad enough. I don't think that they reflect what Jesus was doing. Jesus invited people to the table. He called everyone to repentance. Nobody walked away from Jesus not being challenged by something he would say. Yeah. 
But no one walked away from Jesus feeling like they were excluded because of who they were. <laughs> and so how do you capture that dynamic? You know, I have no idea. He was sitting around with hardened sinners who, because he was sharing kinship with them, he was accused that of, of, of approving of their sin, of condoning their sin. Is that affirming or not affirming? Right? But then he was, but then he was there to call Israel to repentance. Is that affirming or not affirming? I, I, I just don't, I don't think the issue is configured rightly to capture what Jesus is like and what he does. You know, that new creation space, um, I just don't think can be described well using either one of those words. So I like the idea of, of welcoming and mutually transforming space, which is the same space we want to occupy politically, right? Republicans and Democrats, Fox News lovers and CNN News lovers are sitting around the <laughs> communion table together, right? Um, uh, we w that's new creation space. Old creation space is, well, the affirming churches are over here and the non-affirming churches over here and they never talk to each other, right? That's, that's old creation space. Old creation space is, hey, the black churches are over here and the white churches are over here and they never talk to each other. New creation space is where we uh, communally agree to pay the price for extending hospitality to people quite, who are quite different from us. Yeah. And so um, welcoming and mutually transforming, and, and, I, and I get it, man. I hear the objections. It's like, oh, that's so freaking naive um, or unpractical or it's going to be messy. Of course. Man, how can you not read the New Testament and think the church isn't going to be messy? And they're going to be errors all over the place. But that's not the point. Or how do you the not know isn't... yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, how are you not aware I mean, of like a modicum of yourself and not realize how messy you are and then apply that yes. to a community of people? See, it's funny. The new creation space is exactly the space we inhabit with ourselves. Right. I'm familiar with every bit of brokenness. Well, not. no, I'm not. I'm not. Right. I keep learning new. <laughs> it's an excavation. I keep, yes, I keep learning new. But I still believe I have something to say and have value and worth. And um, you know what I mean? Like, I extend that hospitality to myself. Uh, God extends that hospitality, you know, to me. So if, if we're going to build a community where... Um, we're learning and serving from each other. It requires minimally two practices that are foreign to most expressions of the American church. One is hospitality, welcoming the other. In hospitality, we refuse to other people. We refuse to have enemies. We share kinship and status. We listen, we bless, we accept. It is, it is the, the highest form of, of communication of belonging in the ancient world, right? Is what Jesus would do with people. And so he invites us into that posture. Um, it is not just that here's a pronouncement for or against on our website and that's it. Um, nope, it's stepping into the missy like, hey, some of us are against, some of us are for, some of us are in process. We're going to do our best not to hurt each other. You know, as we sit in this, we're going to do our best to believe the best about each other and extend hospitality to each other. Yeah, take it back uh, a year or two, and it's creating a community that's not boundary-focused, but 
Totally. Center focused. Yeah. Yes. And so, and what Tim is referring to, and this is so important, is the issue isn't whether or not you are gay or straight. The issue is how are you postured toward Jesus? Um, that's the issue. And I know gay people who are postured towards Jesus um, in ways that are inspiring to me and convicting to me. And, um, and I see the fruit of life. Um, and so just saying, man, gayness is sin, we're out, or heterosexuality is okay and normal, none of, those, none of that appreciates the complexity of, yeah. of, I think, the Bible's teaching and the reality of some of this stuff. Um, so hospitality, and we can spend loads of time on hospitality, man. Because obviously there are extreme instances where you, you do not extend hospitality. And that's what people are going to run to. There's a place where Paul says, hey, this dude is so sexually immoral and unrepentant and proud about this. You really need to put him out of your fellowship for the sake of him waking up to the harm he's doing to the community. So there are places where that can happen. But um, the hospitality also demands that we hold our commitments on these issues really loosely and that we're able to sit and listen and learn. Um, hospitality, hospitality demands that we lead with grace and that the most loving thing we can do, you know, the, the, the folks that just say, hey, the most loving thing I can do for somebody is tell them the truth. That's just, that's not true, nor is it biblical. There is something about speaking the truth in love, but loving your neighbor is almost always construed in economic terms. Loving your neighbor is feeding your neighbor, clothing your neighbor, blessing your neighbor. Um, the other, the other uh, new creation posture that is so hard for us is just, uh, and, and, I, and this one's from, from Gombas. Um, he and I have had conversations like off podcast um, about all kinds of things. He, he's so generous with his time. But he, he uh, once brought up just the posture of waiting. Like there is this patience. There is so, because there are so many corruptions in evangelicalism regarding sexuality and because there's so little wisdom in evangelicalism <laughs> right now um he just said why don't we practice hospitality and just wait and see and i thought that was so profound because what i want to do is i want to man oh there's an issue great let's study it and let's let's have an answer ready and this was like, well, because there are corruptions and there are double standards and our own house is not clean, um, perhaps let's do what we know, which is to extend hospitality and to deal with the abuses of power and the, the racism and the patriarchy and you know the stuff that we're all pretty much in you know, unified about um, the abuse, the sexual hiding, porn. Um, and, and then let's just wait and see what happens. What, 
I mean, we don't know what will happen if a community just commits to being together in the middle of this for five or 10 years. We just, right. there are no examples of this. At least I shouldn't say it that way. I don't know that. Right. But I'm not aware of any, and I'm an idiot. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. So back to Jeremy's. And, 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 and there are also ways of reading the Bible we need to learn. Um, and, um, uh, we need to build part of a part of hospitality in this area is we have to get rid of like hyper romanticized and consumeristic versions of sex and attraction that drive our, the American version of romance and sexuality. The um, American version, which is the only one that I have any context with seems to have such little humility with any topic and <laughs> we need to walk humbly and love mercy and you know like yeah i don't yeah. know yeah yeah yep um <laughs> i mean we need to to reconfigure we we need to get out of our our collective narcissism how does jesus improve my life um, we need to walk away from that and how worship is just self-expression and not justice. Um, we have to quit seeing the Bible as this divine rule book where these abstract laws float, you know, because of God's fickleness. And we need to re-engage some of the bigger story that we've been, we've been talking about. Those that have been hurt and wounded need to be nurtured and loved. Um, you know, Jesus had all the power in the universe but didn't use it to impose morality. He simply invited. He never coerced. He never manipulated. He never, he, he wasn't like, hey, take me or leave me. He was like, here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. Come follow regardless of where you come from. Mm -hmm. And some did, a lot didn't. Okay. But, you know, and we've gotten, I mean, Jesus's goal wasn't to reform the Roman state. Um, or even the, the nation of Israel as a state, it was to do something different. And I know not everyone agrees with that. So <laughs> back, back, back to Jeremy. Um, there is nothing in my experience that can give you any advice. And so I, I just hesitate saying anything other than um, if you don't have a community where you can process this with, we'll be glad to be your community until you find one. Yep. Come to Auburn. I'll walk with you. Hey, Nashville. I'll do more than walk. We ride horses. <laughs> we have a Confederate monument. We can go, we can go see some Civil War battlefields. <laughs> There's an axe throwing place down the road. That's fun. Um, and I don't say that flippantly. I mean, I just say that as, you know. Uh, of course, you've 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 honored us by inviting us in, and so we'll be glad to stay in conversation or whatever that looks like. And then, I, I guess if you're listening to this, because we have loads of people here who are here from, or who listen from churches that are either church staffs or church leaderships or whatever, which is so so honoring because I know we, you know, I am an idiot at times. I just don't know when it is. I'm sure it's 20% idiocy. I just don't know what the 20% is. Um, 
but but I guess I guess if you're open on conversations around some of these other justice issues, um, I don't think that because I haven't said what my personal view is, um, and I have one, and maybe you're guessing at it from things that I've said, but I think. I can name all the corruptions of my tribe and could potentially still embrace the traditional view. Um, um, I don't think, I think that we can, and we must open up new creation space for people like Jeremy in our communities, even if we hold the traditional ethic. Um, we have to articulate the ethic differently we have to repent of the ways that it's not ever been applied consistency, consistently. We have to ask forgiveness for the harm that we've done. Um, but there, there, there must be, and I will, you know, fight for this. There have to be spaces where people like Jeremy can say, I am gay. I don't know what to think about that. I love Jesus. I don't quite know how these two go together, <laughs> but I need a safe space to belong and process. I think that unless uh, our communities are making room for such people, we are missing, we are missing something. And not only missing, I think we're harming. And, um, and so I would just, I don't know, I would urge you, and I've, I've read the stuff, I've read all the stuff, or at least a lot of the stuff. And, um, and I understand um, the arguments. Notice we haven't gotten into any of the texts. I don't think Jeremy was asking about the texts. Um, and I think when we just run to the texts, um, I, I don't think we're, we're approaching the scripture the way that we should approach it personally. Um, because those texts are located in a, a pretty amazing story that we've been exploring that needs to be explored first. Yeah. What do you? What were you going to say, buddy? Um, when I think about how people handle uh, people in leaders leadership, and I do that with air quotes. Um, handle this when I look at a lot of things at Jesus, and I think I mentioned this in the, just recently on an episode about how I've been so much of what Jesus said or spoke against was usually people um, expressing power over others, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of, and often a lot of, you just, you'll see those lists. It's people being made, using their position to make someone smaller in whatever mm -hmm. form or function. And when I look at this conversation, first of all, uh, I, I just really despise anything that makes any group of people sound like an other. And I think that a lot of this, um, conversation around this topic is always us and them. And, um, I can't remember if I already said this or not, but they're like you two Bono has a great <laughs> line just to bring you two in again. Uh, yeah. that there is no them. There's only us and all these, any conversations that make some people feel like they are outside of the us. I think is already from the wrong it's it has started from the wrong place and often yeah. with this conversation who i see exerting power over somebody is not someone from the gay community it is it is an entity or a body pushing power over them 
And so mm. that makes me feel, that's where I, I immediately see hesitancy. Or I mean, that's where I hesitate or I uh, take pause. Is yeah. yep. I see yep. I see large church bodies or people in power saying, you're not welcome here. I And they're the ones pushing power over it. And that's what I see Jesus usually being like, nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. I am so sorry. Yeah. Jeremy and um yeah, anyone yep. else listening. <laughs> I keep trying yep. not to break down through it, but Tim, I think I don't know. I think um I just think you're dead right about this. That the power over thing whew, that is anti Jesus. You know what I mean? Like siblingship, um, walking together as fellow journeyers. I mean, all of that is new creation, but the power over stuff, man, we got to be so careful with that. Well, Jeremy's yeah. prayer at the end of the email, um, you know, it's humility, it's obedience, it's authenticity, it's vulnerability. Those are the things that he's praying and asking for. And good Lord, if that's not, the prayer that we should all have for ourselves. And yeah, if that's not if that's not new creation. <laughs> yeah. And so my hope is that you know, that Jeremy that you can not have to live in fear and know that you are loved and cherished and just that. Amen. So, Jeremy, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. And may he lift up his countenance to you and then these days give you peace. Until next time, friends. Thanks. (laughs) 